0: Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. There's something about the message that I feel like I have today that is about an entire family stepping up into a whole nother level of faith than they had ever had before. I think that it's a message for our household. I think it's something we're called to forerun and, um, and to live and embody, and that that, that reality of, of faith, the fear of the Lord, this God consciousness, the reality of heaven being even more real, the eternal realm being more real than this one, being something we walk in and we exude the fruit of sp- the Spirit and the fruit of God in such a way that it touches other people. Um, but the message that I wanna do today is actually about a family that Jesus used to hang around with, and it's it's beautiful to me. Some things that I hadn't seen before, like the, some of Jesus's tight knit crew was a family, and um, I think there's something that He wants to do in us in seeing this, in taking us to a whole, an entirely different level of faith that is directly related to our connection to Him, and. Last week's message will will really flow into this one, to be honest. Um, but the reality of Jesus being around, you know, the sisters Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus and and you know Simon, whether Simon was the dad or the older brother or Mary's uh, or Martha's husband, it's kind of debatable. Um, but this this entire family and the reality of Jesus sitting amongst them and communicating, his voice being there, and Martha continually making yourself too busy to be able to acknowledge him you know but the general correction that the Lord actually brings in that message and today I think it's a good continuation because it has to do with the same family but I want to start with some things that Jesus said in John 5 and hopefully it'll work for today because there's some things that Jesus says throughout the entire scripture but sometimes there's these lines that he speaks that it's almost like you hear the eternal echo of his voice come out, boom, and it's just like, yikes, it gives you, or at least me, it can, it can give you chills when you hear it, it's like, yikes, what did you just say, you know, he's walking around stealth, Pharisees talking trash to him, trying to trap him in his words, and he starts to speak, but then he says things inside of the things that he's saying that are so weighty, it's, it's, it's almost like, a, a, you know, a ton of gold bricks that just got dropped out of heaven into the earth and you just hear this boom sound that shakes the whole world and there's a few different things that he does like that in so many different ways but in John 5 when he's talking about this resurrection power in John five twenty one, that the father raises the dead and gives life so even the son gives life to whom he will like it's up to me whom I whom I quote-unquote judge by releasing life to them he was on, not on trial in a courtroom, but on trial with the Pharisees for hearing, healing a paralytic guy on the Sabbath, and he defended his decision as somebody who has the right to judge. <laughs> you know what I mean? The son of God, the, the Yahweh embodied, I have the right to judge, but it wasn't to judge and condemn, it was to judge him worthy of life, no matter what got him into that situation. He goes on and he tells the Pharisees concerning this resurrection power and this resurrection Power of judgment in, in Luke or I'm sorry John five thirty nine. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Like this is the word of God made flesh, the Word who was with God and also was God. God is embodied. God is amongst them. And he says you're you're you know you're memorizing. You're combing through these scriptures on a constantly basis trying to figure out this key to everlasting eternal life. Now, some people will debate, well, you know, heaven and hell, these weren't concepts in the Old Testament, you know. Obviously it was, because he, you know, or at least heaven, because there's this concept of like you're searching for the keys to eternal life, but these actually testify about me. And that he is the one who resurrects. But this this ton of bricks that I feel in in, in verse 25 of John 5, when he's talking about this, Judgment and this life and and, and all these different things. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And when he says this, I just feel like there's so much weight there. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself. And it's been given him to... execute judgment because also he is the son of man and so it's just this huge ton of bricks like most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and even now is he's saying I'm not putting this off to this air quotes resurrection at the end you know the, the white throne judgment or whatever we however we've kind of created it the hour is coming but it actually now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live and I just imagine being around him, being the disciples, the young guys that are around him, and even girls, when he's talking that stuff to the Pharisees, and you're just kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, what he said, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then there's certain things that he says, you're like, yeah, and huh? You're like, what did you just say? She's just like, whoa, that, that sounded not like rabbi, potential messiah, human being. That sounded like the echo of eternity right there. There's an hour coming and, it, and it's even now those who hear and actually recognize God's voice, the Lord Jesus' voice, come alive. There's resurrection power in it now. And we know that he resurrected the dead on multiple occasions in the Bible. Um, but the weight of this reality is there's something um, to the reality that his voice is the, it's so hotly contended. Can, there's so much contention around it in the church world today i don't see how because it's so plain in the scriptures about christianity but the reality is even as i was praying as i was running and praying this morning i was writing things just like this reality that the voice of god i see it almost i see it like a kite but it's not like a little kite that just floats up in the air it's almost like some sort of parachute level of kite that we actually release so we we put our antenna up our kite up And the voice of God comes and fills that thing with such air, with such power and force that it it propels us into the heavens. It propels us into the future. It propels us into our purpose and destiny. And the reality is those who hear the voice of the Lord, it's a complete and total game changer. You know, my job is to connect people to Him. It is not, you know, it's like this reality that we don't really have anything to offer other than Him and our connection to Him. And it's not our connection that people can actually just have our, you know, live off of a secondary connection. You know, I can build a booth in here and you can come confess your sins to me and I can tell you what God says about you or whatever. We can do it like that. if You, you know, we can't. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. But the reality is, is, on this rock I'll build my church, like flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. You've actually heard from your Father who's in heaven. That, that Matthew 16 is this reality. Is like we've all been called to know Him and hear His voice. And there's this reality that we can come we can become so familiar with a God that we actually don't know and we don't even expect his voice to lead us and to bring us into the truth and into reality and to progress we can be so conditioned to unbelief that we expect nothing to happen in our life and we try to build a theology which is really just an excuse of why we don't change or transform and we can even call ourselves sinners and give ourselves an excuse for staying and remaining the same, but at least by grace we'll go to heaven. We can we can do all these things, which are doctrines of demons, which are so prevalent in the world, which are easy to shoot a hole through, easy to shoot a hole through, to those who will just sit and listen to it, you know. But it's contrary to the machine. But uh, you know, but this reality of like hearing his voice and actually following through causes this. I call it a vacuum. Um, that's the best way I can describe it, but this propulsion of somebody with their own faith, which in other words, just believing what he says, that he talks, that he speaks, connecting to that, and it propels and it transforms and it changes. And this is Christianity. It's basic. But like I said, we can become so familiar with a God that we don't know. Or we can become so conditioned to unbelief that we spiritualize things God speaks. Amen. And we think it's, oh, it sounds spiritual, but it's like spiritual. Oh, over-spiritualization is like, yeah, I had to say that slow so I didn't mess it up. You notice that? But over-spiritualization so many times is simply unbelief, yeah. not wanting to take God at His word. And so Jesus wants to take His whole house, His whole family up to a different level to we actually believe what He says. You know what i mean and so we're gonna park and we're gonna we're gonna talk about john 11 about this family um it's the story of when when lazarus got sick now last week we were talking about how he was eating eating and hanging out at lazarus house with mary lazarus simon you know um and martha and martha was being all busy not acknowledging them you know um so this is the story of mary who she's the one who actually anointed jesus feet with the fragrant oil which remember what he said like this story is going to be told for all time so mary's like stamped as famous by the most by the eternal king which is incredible to me but this whole family is stamped as being famous to be honest famous and not kardashian famous but you know what i'm saying it's like famous in the annals of of time and space like you know but this is the story of when she anointed his feet, that comes like two weeks after this, before the cross happens, um, when he's with all this same crew again hanging out, which is just so funny to me, that he would come and hang out with this family, this group. It sounds like it was a safe place for him to be, you know, or a comfortable, you know, he was, he was at home with them it seems, you know. Don't you want our household to be that way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like being at there I like being there well theologically you know he's in us all yeah I know but I mean the manifest presence of the Lord amongst us in a profound way you know not a place that he visits a place where he dwells like the song they sing let us become like pillars in your house fixed in there so abiding that we don't come and go we stay you know Um, but anyhow so Therefore the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus, saying, Behold, the one you love is sick. But Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, and he said, Hey, this sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. In verse 5, it says something that's very important for us to see, I think. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved these three people. And I think we're catching that. He loved this family. He was close to them. So when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That doesn't sound like love to us. He heard that he was sick. He's like, this isn't going to, he didn't say this isn't going to kill him. He said, it's not the end result won't be him being dead. And nobody understood what he meant by that. And, um, but it's like, so he loved this family. And so when he heard that he was sick, he actually waited a couple extra days. In other words, God had something very special in, in mind. For the family, more than just healing them, he wanted to do something even greater. He wanted to take their faith to another level. You feel that? You see that right there? So when he heard that he was taking stayed to, then afterwards he said, "Let us go to Judea again." But his disciples try to stop him. Rabbi, lately, <laughs> now they're calling him Rabbi. You know, lately the, the Jews have sought to stone you, like. This is towards the very end of his ministry and it started becoming so hot and contended that now they were trying to stone him and kill him for any, they had art, they started in the first year, you know what I mean? But now it was a different level of like, we've got to take him out. We're going to take him out. And the disciples, his crew around him was like, hey, bad idea, bad idea. To which Jesus says, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Then he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I'm going that I may wake him up. This is great. This is great. His disciples were like, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. You know, they know what he's saying. They're trying to talk him out of going there not only because they're afraid for him, but they're afraid for themselves. Like, you're dragging us into something really hot. We need to take a break for a while. You know what I mean? And so they're hearing Jesus, just they've seen him raise the dead girl. You know what I mean? They've seen him raise the dead boy, the, the, the son of the widow, you know, the, son of, the only son of the mother. You know, they've seen these, these different things. They've seen all these miraculous healings. People that were lepers You know they've seen all this stuff, but now Jesus is telling them something, and they're they're honestly like they're because it's too uncomfortable. They're actually taking on a place of unbelief. He goes, he's asleep, and I go that'll wake him up. They know what he's saying, but they're but they now they're picking and choosing how spiritual they can be. Like hey no no no. let's just uh, if he's sleeping he'll be better you know let him rest it off, you know. To which Jesus said, plainly in verse fourteen, Lazarus is dead. I think that's so funny. If he, if he, he's like, look, can, I, I can't, I can't imagine putting myself in his shoes because he's, you know, he's brilliant. But like the fact that no one, like these guys are trying to argue him out of something, and you're like the eternal king walking around, and he's like, look, guys, he's dead. All right, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And I I love that stuff because he's saying, here's what we're going to do. Hey, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. That's a bad bad move. It's going to cost you, and maybe all of us, our lives. That's dangerous. To which he says, is there not 12 hours in the day? He who walks in the day doesn't stumble. In other words, but he who walks in the night, he stumbles. Because the light's not in him. It's like, hey, if, if you if you walk in the light of the truth of the Spirit of God, you are not susceptible to that attack that you're afraid of. Right? But if you walk in the night, the darkness of selfishness and self-preservation, wow. then yeah, you're you're on that side of the tracks. And there's so many people that have that have interpreted this verse in so many different ways, but that's what he's saying because that's what he's talking about. Stop being afraid for yourselves. You're walking in the light. Amen. When you're following me, you're walking in the light. When fear, anxiety, pressure, self-preservation come and try to say, ah, oh, this is not convenient for me now. This is not convenient for me now. Then you put your place, yourself in a place of vulnerability. Yes. You catch that? 1 right. yes. John 2, verse 9 and 10. The guy who wrote this, wrote this. In 1 John 2, 9 10, he says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. It's just like, hey, when you're led of the love of God and for people, you're walking in a place of authority which you're not going to have to worry about these stones today. Remember, Jesus did not get killed by the Pharaoh. He didn't get killed by nobody. Remember what he said? I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. Jesus said this thing, guys. Oh, no, they're going to kill me if I'm going to do, you know, walk in this light and in this truth. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to lay it down when it's time because this is my plan to redeem everybody. But I lay it down and I take it all the way back up. No one's taking it from me. Understand this. There's a place of authority that we're called to walk in that is never led of fear. And Jesus is talking to these guys. But then they get real natural, like, well, you know, they get, they, all of them WebMD. Well, if you sleep, that's a good sign he's resting, he's going to be all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> let's choose not to look at things spiritually. Okay, okay, let's not do that, you know. Because that puts us in a, and it's just like, yo, he's dead, and I'm glad. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Those words are right next to each other. That is a statement Jesus said. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. And if, I, if I'm writing the movie, he said it like four times, "Lazarus is dead." I'm glad. And he looks at him. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad, and I'm glad that he's dead. And they're just like, ee? "Rabbi, what is what has come upon you?" You know, you know what I mean? Because for your sakes, I'm glad that I wasn't there because you're going to believe. In other words, this whole thing's a setup for you guys to believe on a level that you don't right now. But it's also for this other family to step into a faith and belief that they weren't in. So Thomas, I love Thomas. Speaking of one-liners, Thomas has one line, he has three one-liners that I think are some of the biggest hitters in the, in the scriptures. But this one right here, Thomas says, let us go also that we may die with him. You know? <laughs> like, well, he's pretty set. All right, guys, looks like we're all going to die we tried to steer him away but but he's manifesting that's what it was really about self-preservation they were afraid well let's just go die with him i guess you know what i mean we don't even think of being that way around god but they're around him like that but thomas you know when you look in john 20 and thomas is like touching first thomas is like i will not believe remember that He rose from the dead and came back to all the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there that day. Oh my gosh, and he was so upset. And you see the same attitude there. I will not believe unless I see his hands and his side. No, I refuse it. It was real. I don't care what you say. I won't believe it. But we saw him. He ate honeycomb. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not believing it. And Jesus shows back up and says, Thomas, don't be unbelieving. Believe. Touch my side. Come here, touch my hands. It's such a beautiful story, right? But what does Thomas say? Another one-liner. My Lord and my God. That's a one-liner for the, for the millennium. You know, that's just like, he puts the whole thing together, my master, but my God. You're, 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 it's like, oh, you're Yahweh. And I was a complete, I showed my, my tail all the time, my attitude. I was a jerk around you sometimes and you never smacked me. And you actually specifically came here. to You know what I mean? It's just the beauty of who God is. We're transformed by seeing it, you know. It is, it's so wild. There's so many layers to this. Well, I guess we're all... Let's go die with him, I guess. Gosh, you know what I mean? This is dumb. This is dumb. You know, they're just freaking out. But it says when Jesus comes, he finds that um, that Lazarus had actually been in the tomb for four days. Wow. So he's dead for minimum four, maybe five, maybe six. I I don't know because, you know, they prepare the the body pretty much the, the day one. You know what I mean? Then they do the, you know, whatever the funeral ritual is and they got the singers come in and mourners and all that. And then they... Then they go to the tomb. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how long, but four days is, a, is an absolute minimum. And I think we're all adults. We know what that means. You know, it's not kept in a cooler, right? You know? So, yeah, that's it, a pretty... Talk about, like, really taking your, taking your time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, he, but he stepped it up from what he was going to do. The three-day return he was going to make. He went upped it. If you can, you know, think of, think of some of these things. Nothing's an accident, Right? So, Bethany was about two miles away outside of Jerusalem, you know, which is where the feast and the Passover was going to be. He was about to be there being crucified within like two weeks. You know what I mean? This is like the end of the the trip, you know. Um, And there's more to that, which won't be for today, maybe a year from now. But Bethany was near Jerusalem, and and many of the Jews joined around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Martha, um, when she heard was Jesus was coming. She came out and kind of met him. Um... Just because everyone knew he was kind of being stealth right now. He's kind of out of the scene. And um, she comes to him first thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, it's like, wow. Um, so some of that is it's like, wow, that's, that's not, this is kind of your fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is kind of your fault. What are you doing? You're dragging heels. But at the same time, it's, it's a true reality. They've seen him heal so many people. They've seen him do miraculous things. See, Simon the leper, it's his name, that's what they call him in the Bible, which I think is just one of the funniest things in the world. But Simon the leper was either their dad or is Martha's husband. And so, you know, just by look, putting all the gospels together, no one really knows which one, but this, this whole family is, um, has been touched by the Lord and especially one of them being leprous where he was separate from the family and then he comes back in, It's just, it's just incredible. Um so he's done stuff for their family and it's just like so they know this power that Jesus has. But but they they've even they've got it set in their minds that the healer wasn't here because he can heal sickness and he did, and he wasn't here, you know. And um you know, he resurrected the two people that we know of, but both of those was before the fun- you know, the girl was still laid in the room and the little the boy was actually being brought out in the funeral taking to be buried and he raised him from the dead. So, you know, you know. So Anyhow, um, you know, Martha says, if you would have been here, but then she says something, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. To which Jesus says to her in verse 23 of John 11, your brother will rise again. I know, it sounds like she's onto something there, doesn't it? Man, if you would have been here, you wouldn't have died, but I know that whatever you ask God, he'll give you. To which Jesus responds to that, sliver of faith, he will rise again. And Martha's answer when he says your brother will rise again isn't like I'll take you to where he's at. It is, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And and man, in my Bible, I have I know highlighted, you know, kind of pencil drawn around it and kind of like blacked up. I think a lot of times we know things that we don't know. She's confessing to know something. Jesus is actually telling her something in plain speech. Your brother's going to rise. He's coming back. He's going to rise again. And it's just like the religious grid that makes an excuse to to step out of of the moment, the here and now moment of power and connecting to the Lord, just like she had done when she was constantly busy serving. She's like, make Mary serve with me. He's like, no, Mary's chosen the good. She's sitting at my feet. You're busy and anxious and fearful about things, and so you're avoiding the connection. So now Martha is using Scripture and theological knowledge and belief to say, hey, he's going to rise again. Oh, yes, amen, brother. Amen, brother, I know on the last day. Yes, oh, uh, yeah. Good thing, you know what I'm saying? Well, it'll all be great and glory, you know what I mean? She's, she's whoop! She skirted right into that religious, you know what I mean? Just spouting out things that she, you know, an excuse to not believe Jesus in the moment. To which Jesus locks because I believe that's what much of the story is so many layers there's so much there but he locks in on that with her and with all of them because he's there he's like, like he told the, the disciples I'm glad because of your unbelief I'm glad so that you will be believing you know but he locks in with her when, he, when she manifests that unbelief your brother's right oh I know you know to which he says I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I just got chills right there. You know, what I mean, that, that's another one of those things. I just felt it. Whoop, you know what I mean? It just gets me going. You know what I mean? I can't imagine him talking and 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 him. Yes, you know, and, and looking at people and communicating. But when he locks in and your face and his face go, go bang and his eyes go locked to your eyes and then he tells you he addresses something directly and asks you a question, yeah. that's I Am. That's I Am. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Creator, by the way. That is somebody who, that is the eyeballs of the, the blue flaming fire eyeballs of the book of Revelation. And by the way, I have the keys to death, you know what I mean, to Hades. You know what I'm saying? I have the keys to death itself, to Hades, the, the holding place of the of the dead. You know, like I can reverse everything. I'm this cosmic multidimensional deity, right? John's best bit friend. He's fallen at his ground as a dead man because he's like, oh my gosh, you're more than you're not only just the Son, you're the Word who was with God and was God. This concept is happening. And see, when we read this, I see that. And so when I see him lock into her, oh, you know, Amen. And she gets religious. It's just like, boom, those eyeballs lock right into her eyeballs. And he says something that sounds like a a ton of golden bricks that get one, a ton, 10 tons of one golden brick, the size of a city block getting dropped out of heaven onto the ground and shaking the whole city um, from 2000 feet in the air. And it's just like, I am the resurrection. It's like, wait, what? Who talks like this? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to be religious and just agree with you because of my unbelief. <laughs> you know? Man, dude. You know, now you're locking in my eyes and you're addressing me and you're asking me a question. I am that. No, I, yes, he will in the resurrection. No, no, no. I'm, I am him. I'm that. I'm the resurrection and I'm here and I'm here right now. What do you think about that? And he asked her that. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I have to like kind of distract myself so I don't get emotional. Can't let people see that, you know. Gotta be a tough guy up here. I'm wearing all blue today, so that was a fun fact for you all. Yeah, it's something like that. But um, so I am the resurrection. But wait, what, is, what did you just say? Because we don't even believe this. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. Like, yeah, we get that part. But then he tags this part, and whoever lives and believes shall never die. What? And then in the face, I can just see him. Do you believe this? It's like, oh, man. I don't know why. But John's the one writing this. John's the one writing this record. The only disciple recorded to have never died it's just like whoa there's certain things we can hear in the lord that we can attach our faith to man i'm not trying to create something that's not there it's it's there There there's certain things we can believe in him what we walk in is limited to what we choose to believe in him if we don't rationalize away or religiousize away his words i believe that we can have whatever we want in him all of the promises of god are yes and they're amen inside of him there's something there. There's something outside of time and space that we're called to walk in. And we're, we're called to, the 10-ton the, the, the brick that hits the ground is called to happen in the house of the Lord. And it's supposed to happen in all of them around the world. But I know ours is supposed to rattle Tyler, Texas. I just know that it is. I know that it started, but it's something so much greater. People that walk in the fear of the Lord, the reality of this thing, the love of God, the the losing our own identities. I'm the disciple of Jesus' love. I don't even look at myself anymore. I'm so consumed with who God is in me and to me and for me. I don't even need anything from anybody else but to release life in heaven on the earth. There's just this mentality that's just unlocked. And um, you can just feel it sometimes when you read this stuff. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, but I just can't imagine. I'm trying to move on, to be honest, but I just can't imagine that last little quote there. I feel like it's happening to us. I feel like it's, it's, I think, you know, we have a little of the questions. That's the question. Do you believe this? It's like, whew, you're looking at me with those eyeballs right now. Like, yeah, I help my unbelief. I want to believe. I believe it. I believe anything you say. I am the resurrection. This isn't about a thing that happens. I am the thing. I'm him and I'm here. He's the resurrection of humanity. If we believe this, we walk in it. Oh no, COVID's going to come back this coming year. It's like, yeah, but we're called to walk free from it. Come on. All of it, sickness, death—you know—all these things. We're called to walk in a level. It's like, well, you know, we got to rationalize. Well, you know, my, my grandma, she prayed a lot, and she got sick, and you know, it's like, it's just like, hey, like, it's it's like it's time to look him in the face relationally, and he asks, hey, do you believe what I say? It's like you're the only say that I want to believe. Yeah. The blind guy, you know, yeah. in John in John nine. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the God-man? The guy who healed his blindness, spit, put the mud in his eyes. Whoever, you, yeah, I believe whatever you say is what he said. Who is he? Whatever your voice tells me is what I'm going to believe. It's not even, you know, it's not about belief. It's about whatever you say, whatever you show me is actually truth. This is the importance of our life and our walk. This is brilliant. But even saying this, whoever lives and believes shall never die. Do you believe? She answered him, "Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world." She said these things. She went away. She's like, "Well, yeah, you believe something, and it's a good start, but you're about to believe something even greater." You know what I'm saying? She walks off. She goes and gets Mary, her sister. Said, "Hey, the teacher's coming. He's calling for you." As soon as she heard, she got up quickly. And all the mourners and all the Jews, the people that were around them, a lot lot of the people that were there at the house, because oh my gosh, Lazarus is too young to die, and he's dead. And uh, this is terrible. See her get up and go, um, and they think, "Oh, she's going to mourn." Let's all be with her as a family. So Mary comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, and what does she say to him? He said, "Hey, same same exact thing. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died." So Jesus sees her weeping, but then he sees all the Jews that came out. You know, this large crowd of people. You know, it says he's grown in the spirit and was troubled, and, and 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 he just asks, "Where have you laid him?" And they said, "Come and see." And Jesus wept. A lot of people try to presume why Jesus was crying there. Why it got you know, you know, even knowing he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he had so much compassion on the family, and that could be true. It's just like you can't know the mind of the Lord that well. I mean, you, you you can try, you know, what I'm saying, but you can't teach it as if you know it, even if he's told it to you, because it's not in the, you know. Let me just back up for that, but it's it's just people say things they don't know. We are way too familiar with God without knowing, you know what I'm saying. But the reality is, He sees a big crowd of people, and He's. He comes not to their house, he comes kind of on the outskirts, like, yo, and now go get Mary, bring her to me. And then it's just like, oh, this is about to be a a big, huge deal. I'm here for them, I'm here for this family and my disciples, because I'm going to take their belief to another level. Um, However, now I'm realizing this is about to be incredibly huge, and there's going to be no getting around this. You know what I mean? I think uh, the weight of everything is probably get him to the point like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Because once this happens, there's no going back. They're gonna. This is this is the this is the end. You know? But uh, anyhow, so the Jews said, "See how he loved him." You know? And um, could and people were like, could he he opened blind eyes? Couldn't he, couldn't he kept this man from dying? And he he was groaning in himself. Came to the tomb, and there was a big stone that laid against it. You know, just imagine the the visual of this that he knew he was gonna enter into and how incredible this felt to him and emotional and the culmination of everything he had come to do um and him calling out all right take that stone away push the stone away like open up the tomb where the body's been rotting for more than half of a week you know what i'm saying yeah okay you know so like he's been there for four days you know it's like in there let alone you know and you know he's been mummified there's oil and ointments and you know they've put they've wrapped his body up and all these things just like oh my gosh and um But it's interesting when he says take away martha tries to actually intervene and stop him from what he's doing and this is like oh i believe god will give you everything you ask and it's like oh i believe you're the son of god let me go get my sister obviously she didn't fully because he goes to say hey take the tomb, take that thing away and she's like, like whoa like whoa like hey that's that's this is uncomfortable this is no this is not this is not a go we're not doing this are we are you serious and she's like, Lord, by this time, there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. She's like kind of, imagine trying to be logical with God. I think we do this in our belief. The word comes, the 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 inspiration, what God's telling us, and it's just like, oh, no, no, okay, so that's not going to work. Hey, no, because this and this and this. You know what I'm saying? I've done it in my life. You know what I'm saying? it's just like sometimes we just got to choose to just walk with Him. You know? And I think that's, you know, the process many people go through. I've gone through it at times. And obviously she didn't say no because he said take the stone. And, and, and she's like, no, 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 it's a stench. And then he says this, did I not say to you in verse 40 that if you would believe, there's that word again, you would see the glory of God. It's like, hey, you said you believe. I asked you if you believe. Didn't I tell you if you would just believe you would see the glory of God? So she stopped trying to thwart what he was doing by her fear. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes. So he looks up into heaven and he says this, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. You ever, you ever been in a prayer meeting and somebody's not really praying, they're, they're actually kind of talking, trying to teach a little bit? That's annoying a little bit, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like, hey man, you're not praying, you're trying to tell me something. Just You know what I mean? Well, this is an example of that, but it's not an annoying example. It's funny because Jesus is actually praying. Can you imagine turning aside from everybody and here's the tomb and I'm looking over here. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of these people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. If <laughs> you guys catch it? See how this works? You know what I mean? He's bringing us into his conversation. Father, I thank you that have heard me, and, and, and I know that you always do, but I say that so that they can kind of see and they can actually believe in what's going on and who I am. You know what I mean? It's just it's funny to me. It says, now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. And I'm not going to shout, but Lazarus, come forth. But it's cried out with a loud voice. So he, I mean, that's that, that's that, ah, that's that throaty, Lazarus, like, come on out. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes with his face wrapped in a cloth. Like, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like a little bit scary, but. You know, and you're yeah, okay, this is happening, you know what I mean, everything's happening, you know, What's, what kind of fluids are on the grave clothes and on the face mask and all that stuff, and it's just like, he's coming out just like four days later, and um, it says many of the Jews who had come with Mary saw him and believed, so this this created an uproar incredibly big, and I won't do that through chapter 11, chapter 12, but then the Greeks started coming, everybody started coming, and he had to buckle down and stay, stay stealth to make it through the cross and be crucified before, before anything else, you know, um, rebellion, anything else could happen. You know, so it's, if you will, we'll probably do that Passover next year or something. But even the priests and the Pharisees, when they heard, because some people went and told them, um, they're like, what, what are we going to do? If we let him alone like this, everyone's going to believe him. We're going to the Romans are going to come and take away our place in our nation, you know, our place, like our our religious positions, which is the selfish ambition that I think drives so many people that it, it it results in very dark things in our actual nation. They allow us to exist, and then Caiaphas, the high priest, um, that year says, "Do you not know nor consider it's expedient that one man should die for all the people instead of one?" Instead of the whole nation, it says this. He did not say in his own authority, but being high priest, he prophesied. So even somebody saying that was prophesying, even though it was he was demonically inspired. To, you know, it was it was a true reality. It's it's just brilliant. You know, what I'm saying all things work for our good. And so here's the point of this thing. It's just like it's it's brilliant and it's beautiful. But there's so many points to it. There's so many layers to it when you just read the Bible kind of slowly and think through it. Um, um, but This is a family of faith that he rocked their world in this reality. And we see that. So he loved them and he waited two extra days to make sure it really set in. It's like, why is that verse written there? He really wanted to do something spectacular in their life because of their unbelief. We think of Martha as just a hyper-annoying religious person. Or maybe I just think of her that way. But, uh, you know, it just the type that really wears me out, that over-spiritualizes everything, and and it's just like, oh my gosh, just just be normal. Um, But Jesus is spending time after time with her. We think of like Martha, Martha. You know, Mary's chosen what's good. He's trying to address her, bring her into the correction that so many of us can drift off into working for God instead of actually being and connecting with Him. The next story, you know, there she is again, And she's spouting off knowledge that's in her mind, but it's not actually in her heart. And he's allowing her to see that reality. And then he's, even with her lack of faith and being religious, he still walks her through the process of something and steps her to the door. And then she has the opportunity, like we all do, to make room for God to follow, to fully follow through their steps in it. Or like, "Ah, I just can't go that far. That'll be just too messy. That'll be too ugly. The, it'll it'll stink. It, it's just too much, man. And he's like, no. Nah. It's like, we're going all the way. If you're going to listen to my voice and follow through, this is what's going to happen. Didn't I tell you if you would just believe, you would see the kingdom. You'd see the glory of God. It's like, that's the only thing. Just listen to my voice and follow through. And, and so she chooses it. Okay, fine. So she's just this brilliant lesson for her. I mean, Lazarus. It's funny, the next chapter, like... <laughs> In the next chapter, in John uh, 12, verse 10, it says the chief priests also plotted to kill Lazarus, put him to death. It's like, what did he do? He just died, got sick and died, <laughs> and then came back to life. Like, and we have to kill this Lazarus guy. <laughs> he's like, he's looking like, come on, man, what did, I, what did I do wrong? You know what I mean? Poor guy, just, you know, got a, got a, got a target on his head, but Jesus knew that he would. Um, But they didn't get them. They just ended up getting Jesus, but just because Jesus lays them down. And I love that. Six days before the Passover, when it starts, um, John 12, is the story of Mary, Mary, the sister, taking that really expensive oil, perfume, and pouring it on You know, Jesus says, you know, this is going to be taught wherever the gospel is preached. This is going to be it. She's anointing my body for burial. Like, he's like, this woman's going to be famous for the things Judas and the religious people, y'all are hating on her. But this this woman's doing something beautiful and incredible. She loves me, and I love them. You know, and he's there. He's there, in Beth- Bethany. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like it's like it sounds like a joke. You know, you got Martha, the you know kind of the hyper religious. Like he's constantly after her heart, bringing her into belief. You got Mary, who also loves Jesus so much. She's poured this stuff on him. She's like. Her story is going to be tell, told around the world for all time, and, and, and all of the other worlds or whatever galaxies and all this stuff, you know. Let your mind go there. But like she's incredibly important for what she's done. Well, there's Lazarus sitting there um, eating his hummus or whatever they're eating, dip, you know. And he's like, "There's old dead Lazarus." <laughs> you know what I mean? And then Simon, either Mary's husband or Mary's or their dad, who who is called Simon the leper, in the Bible. That's their family. The family is Simon the leper, dead Lazarus. Oil poor and Mary and Martha, Martha, the religious girl. You know what I mean? And this is the group Jesus is sitting before, you know, six days before the Passover, six days before he goes into the, you know, taking, giving communion first time. You know, this is his family and he's chosen to be with them relationally and connect to them. And you see this house of faith. You see a household of faith, a household of belief, and they all have something in common. They've walked with him in a process that their whole level, like this whole thing is different to them. This whole thing is different to his disciples. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to know. He, he knew what he had to do. He knew what he was about to go through. Um, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified him because he was redeeming the whole thing. Right? You know, this is 1 Corinthians 2. So he knew what he was going to go through and the confusion that would happen. But he also knew the seeds that he was planting of belief and faith in their minds and that they were going to be the leaders of the free world. His disciples and this family that He obviously loves so very much. And I believe this is us. I believe this is for us. A corporate level of faith and expectancy on God, in God, because we're following through and walking with Him. And I think there's, there's major keys in this reality of actually understanding he's the re- He is the resurrection. And this thing is different. And he wanted them to know, hey, this thing is different and it's bigger than you guys have ever seen or known. Yeah. It's a bigger deal than you guys have ever seen or known. And you're with me in it. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, it's like now he's on the inside of us. Yeah. So he's with us in the situations like step into that situation. is like, no, 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 that's too messy. That's going to stink. That's going to be a bad deal. I don't want to step into that. And it's just like, no, 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 let's go in. with. Let's go with it. Let's roll into it. You know what I mean? And we have the ability to quench, to block, to, to, to be uncomfortable, to religiousize. But, well, you know, the, amen, brother. And eventually that's what God's speaking to me. It's like, no, 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 I'm saying the, the true accountability is giving an account for your abilities. It's, it's this level of koinonia and fellowship where we're actually walking in the truth and the reality of being conformed to the image of Christ, but also in relationship to other people. Sharing in the reality of God's voice, what he's speaking to us, what he's leading us into, the truth that he's bringing about in us, the transformation, the mission, the purpose, the destiny, and learning to make room and make space and allow him to do what he wants to do. If he says, roll the stone, roll the stone, you know? And it's not like, "Oh, well, fear is self-preservation. This is going to change my reputation. I'm not going to be in the cool club anymore and solve this. It's just like, hey, he who walks in the day doesn't need to worry about the darkness taking a bite out of him. You follow me, don't worry about self-preservation. The love of God leads us, compels us, controls us. This is our reality, and that's what, that's what we're about. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. It's a family of faith. Simon the leper, Matthew 26, 6, Mark 14, 3, obviously, John 11 and John 12. Um, all this, this group of people... Um, It's a house of faith. Did Simon still have leprosy? You know, man. Hey, hey, I'm going to Simon's house Who's Old leper. Imagine being called leper. I think it's hilarious. You know what I'm saying? Where you hang, I'm, I'm going dead Lazarus. Me and dead Lazarus going to uh, watch a movie tonight. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? See, it's just like it's like these funny things. But it's it's like who you were is not who you are. You know. But who you were is a powerful reality to the identity of who you are now, yeah. right. and it goes directly against. Yeah. Well, I'm just a sinner. That's why I'm still bumping into the, to the same wall same same amount of times. You know, I'm just a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I'm you know, you know these 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 Martha-ish quotes that we we speak about ourselves to give ourselves an excuse. But Simon the leper wasn't a leper. No. Right. His identity was something like. Oh yeah, it's powerful who I once was, but it's not who I am now. Come on. Come on. You know what I mean? I'm dead dead yeah. Lazarus wasn't dead. Oh, DL wasn't dead. Oh, I'm gonna eat dinner with DL tonight. <laughs> you know, he wasn't dead. He was alive. He was he was AL. Alive Lazarus. You know what I mean? Yeah, big Al. Oh Legion. Legion don't got Legion no more. He doesn't know. Like stop calling me Legion. Well, you know what I mean. You used to have the Legion of Demons. Yeah, I know, but I follow the Lord now, man. You can call me Legion. It helps you to understand who I really am. You know, imagine people in heaven calling calling him Legion. Somebody calling Simon Leopard Leper. Hey, Simon. Oh no, I'm Simon Peter. Oh, are you? Are you? I'm Simon. Uh, all the Simons. I'm Simon. Judas's dad was named Simon. You know, all these different Simons and Marys. You know what I mean? Oh no. I, oh, I'm the Leper Simon. Well, you know, I used to be the leper. You know, introducing yourself. I'm the. I'm the. <laughs> the transformation of who I once was and who I am now is at the forefront of the family of faith. Come on. It's like, oh, I'm not that anymore. You're illegal to sit next to me. I don't have body parts falling off. I don't, I'm clean. I don't have to do all those rules and things. And that. I, was one, I was there, but I'm not, I'm not there. You know, That's not me. Yeah, man. Oh, okay. Walking in the light of day. I close with that. With what? I don't know. It was just, uh, just a, long, uh, a lot of things. Um, this, the point of this mes- message is the resurrecting of life by hearing his voice. And I also did feel like there's so many people that have shut the voice out of God, um, the voice of God out of their life, especially because of disappointments that have become cynicisms and all these different things, you know. And I understand that the heart is deceitful above all things. And sometimes we, we get locked into something we believe is God with all of our heart, which is really just our own heart. Um, and then there's disappointment when the pain happens or whatever, you know. But, but I will tell you that God is altogether good at all times. And the voice of the Son of God is ringing out to call the dead to life again. And um, His voice is the game changer for everybody. It is that kite reverse parachute propulsion thing that we release in our faith to actually just by just opening our ears to him and then actually listening and following through with whatever that he gives us it doesn't matter what it is i even felt like for some people it would be like there's there's people that the lord lays upon your heart it's just like hey if it's there go after it well, I don't have some d- distinct prophetic word for them. Just connect to them. Yeah. Simple. It's just like if the Lord is speaking something to you and it's just like, well, this person from a few years ago just keeps coming back. I just, you know, I just want to release, our, you know, I'll just call them. Hey, man, I just, you've been coming to my mind so much lately. I just want to tell you I really appreciate you or I love you, man, and, and you know I miss you or, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like the things we do in the voice of God create the, it's the, his word is a light unto our path. It opens doors. It opens things. Something may be completely and totally oblique that he's asking us or that he's put upon us, but it's like, if hey, if that's the direction of the shepherd, we're not saying like, no, 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 it's not good for us to go that way. It's good for us to go this way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, just go in the direction and watch that open the door this way. Yeah. A people who are led of the shepherd yeah. are are the most dangerous things to the systems of this world which are all controlled and kept in their place by fear we're not led of that voice you know, the steal the kill, the destroy, that voice we're led of another shepherd and we're here to take over we really are we really are Lord, I thank you for this day and, and, and the, the reality that you are the truth and the life and you are the resurrection. Would you help even our unbelief, even the place where we've rationalized your voice away to something. Let us connect to the truth and the reality of your voice in our life in all that we do. Help us to believe the words which jump out of the Bible that you've actually spoken to us to engage in what even seems the, the simple things that you've called us to walk in. Help us to, to walk in follow-through, in connection, the koinonia, the fellowship that you've called us to. Help us to understand the importance of this walk, not only for ourselves in the destiny and purpose the good things you have for us, but for all of our family, the brothers and sisters that we're called to help unlock in this world. Amen.